fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. Several shots were fired as President Kennedy's motorcade passed through downtown Dallas. None of us will ever forget this day, yet we go forward to defend freedom and all that is good and just in our world. This is just a second, please. Welcome to the Hagman Daily Show, weekdays 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And now your hosts, Joe Hagman and John Robertson. Hello and welcome to this Friday, July 20th, 2018 edition of the Hagman Daily Show. So glad to be here today. We got a lot to get into, so let's just jump right in. John, I was going to start somewhere else, but I just opened up my news uh, feed on my phone and I opened up a political article, why I'm no longer a Russiagate skeptic. Facts are piling up and it's getting harder to deny what's staring us right in the face. When I wrote back in February that I was skeptical that President Donald Trump would ever be proven to have secretly colluded with Russia to sway the 2016 election in his favor, I mistyped. What I meant to write was that I wasn't skeptical. Last week's events have nullified my previous skepticism. To recap, Deputy Attorney General Rosenstein indicted 12 Russians for the hacks of the DNC and the Hillary Clinton private office emails. Okay, it goes on to say, uh, Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. That was what Trump said at a meeting. Trump attacked a NATO at uh, their summit in Brussels. Trump attacked a close European ally, Germany, and generally questioned the value of the alliance. Next, he visited the UK, trashing Prime Minister Theresa May, then Helensky, where he met with Putin privately for two hours with no U.S. officials present. Other than a translator, after the suspicious meeting, he sang the Russian strongman's praises at a news conference, which he said he viewed Putin's denials on a par with unanimous and unchallenged conclusions of American intelligence agencies. Anyway, he goes on from there to explain all these uh, all these actions that definitely now point to collusion between Vladimir Putin and President Trump and Russia, and uh, it, it's just a joke. But see, I, I found an interesting article that uh, I want to make sure we get to today that talks about it wasn't the uh, it wasn't the government that President Trump threw under the bus. There's a big difference between the two. At Helensky, Trump undermined our power abusing intelligence agencies, not America or the government. And I want to make sure that that is clarified because these are the same intelligence agencies that have been weaponized and used against his campaign, his associates, and him as the president and and everybody around him. So as these were used as political weapons, these agencies against him, he has every right to believe Vladimir Putin over the same people who were trying to undermine him and and get him to lose the whole time. I mean, I don't see how that's not so clear to everybody. You know, somebody put out a really, first of all, happy Friday to you, Joe, here on The Daily Show. Friday, July 20th. Man, the month is just moving by. 
Uh, uh, somebody put out a really pithy uh, tweet this morning, and I wish I had it on hand, but I don't, um, that basically indicated, uh, uh, hey, Putin, uh, uh, thanks for the help. Uh, you know, isn't there something you could have done about getting me the popular vote as well? <laughs> and yeah. it's like, uh, you know, I just thought that summarized so succinctly. It might have been uh, uh, James Woods that 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 put that one out. But uh, but my goodness, Joe, there's there's so many places to go. And, and uh, with this story, and I'm, I'm glad you decided to lead with this. Uh, I have two pieces up now. I know you're not a big pollster type guy and I'm not either. And, and uh, even though we've never really discussed it, you know, my reason is because numbers can be so skewed. You know, there's a very famous quote uh, attributed to Mark Twain. He says, now there are lies, there are damn lies, and there are statistics. <laughs> and I've always, uh, I've always kind of liked that. But, uh, but uh, it, it, uh, this is from uh, shtfplan.com, uh, curated from Zero Hedge. It says, uh, Gallup shows how much Americans really care about the, quote, situation with Russia, end quote. Now, this is by Tyler Durden, and you got to give credit where credit's due. Tyler Durden's been cranking out uh, great information forever. Um, he writes, while ever hope-filled expectations among the left are for a blue wave in the midterm elections, we suspect things may not turn out quite as planned, given, the la given last week's crisis, that's in quotes. Even before President Trump had set foot in Helsinki, uh, by the way, the capital of uh, Finland, Helsinki. Uh, the left and the media were banging the drums of war against the thug Putin and how he would trump Trump. And once the press conference furor was over, all hell broke loose as the left-leaning world attempted to out-signal one another's virtue as to the treasonous surrender that occurred. Tip of the hat to Tyler Durden for some clever writing there. Anyway, yeah. he goes on to say, so much so, in fact, that the Internet became full of Trump and treason chatter, more so even than when he joked in July of 2016 about Russia having Hillary's missing 30,000 emails. Uh, and uh, then he's got some uh, clever graphics here uh, that indicate uh, exactly uh, what the, uh, you know, what the, the, the different social media chatter looked like. But Tyler Durden uh, for Zero Hedge goes on to write, uh, there's just one problem with the Democrats' unending focus on Russia and the media's constant collusion chatter. Few Americans care because, drumroll, they have real lives in the real economy to worry about. As the latest survey from Gallup shows, when asked what the most important problem facing the nation is, Russia did not even warrant a 1%. And worse yeah. still, it is declining in importance from there. Joe from Gallup.com, Russiagate, Spygate, Trumpgate, Treasongate, 1%, buddy. All right. Well, there's, there's more to this. As I said, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the big difference between undermining the intelligence agencies by agreeing with Putin and not throwing America under the bus and this is what the article says during president trump's summit with russia's putin uh the ap reporter john limer asked him about russian interference in the 2016 election trump as he does many times before responded with an answer that cast doubt on the u.s intelligence agency's assessment of the massive russian election interference now um as uh you said in your article uh th that's when all hell broke loose in america's elite political and media circles and it goes on from there to explain uh, all these outrageous things that people said, like Trump committed treason and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, uh, President Trump did have a point. It goes on to say 
the U.S. intelligence agencies uh, are the uh, ones who meddled in the elections. They're the ones who uh, are, were attempting to favor or to get Hillary Clinton in and to stop Donald Trump. And they worked against Donald Trump and the best interests of the American people. Now, we see that they're trying to turn this around and say this this is proof, more proof of Trump-Russia uh, collusion because he's uh, against the intelligence agencies. Uh, now, this article, look what the Russia investigation is doing. Uh, I want to make sure we, we talk about this too. Robert Mueller is giving Tony Podesta and possibly John Podesta immunity to testify against Paul Manafort. Oh, you are truly trying to send me to the floor in the first five minutes of the show, aren't you? Okay, I, I get it. We're going to do this, and we're going to do this right now. Go ahead, Joe. <laughs> Tony Podesta, founder of the now-shuttered Podesta Group and brother to former Hillary campaign chairman John Podesta, has been offered immunity by special counsel Robert Mueller to testify against former Trump campaign manager Paul Manafort. According to T uh, Tucker Carlson, who announced it on the show Thursday evening, that two separate sources confirmed the other. Uh, in other words, for a near identical crime, Bill and Hillary's friend would escape and emerge completely unscathed while Paul Manafort may rot in jail. Only one of them made the mistake of chairing Donald Trump's presidential campaign, Carlson said. The special counsel's office declined to comment. Mueller is offering immunity to five potential witnesses in an upcoming trial of Manafort. Mueller's team is asking for use immunity, which is a limited type of immunity. Uh, that was filed Tuesday in the Eastern District Court of uh, Virginia. The five people have not been charged or identified publicly with the case. Now, uh, it goes on to say prosecutors from Mueller's team said that they asked that for five motions remained sealed unless and until the name individuals testify in the trial set for July 25th. Now, Podesta resigned from his lobbying company in October under in response to an investigation of the firm by Mueller and he actually, if you remember, uh, he was able to go, I think Andrew Kerr uncovered this. He was able to go back and change uh, a file paperwork, uh, uh, predate, or po he, in uh, October, I believe it was, he filed paperwork, uh, October of 17, to show uh, stuff for October 16, meaning he was predating paperwork. And uh, he got away with it. He was allowed to get away with it. And that was the same thing that Manafort was in trouble for. And I'm sorry I don't have all the uh, intricate details, but long story short, Podesta doesn't get charged. <laughs> Manafort does. Does anybody have all the intricate details? Now, Joe, you were just uh, – I want to make sure we source this. That was, uh, that was from the Daily Caller. Washington uh, Examiner. And uh, written uh, – who, who, who banged this one out? Uh, this is the one I read was from got... the Washington Examiner. Oh, okay. And I've got that piece up too. Now, now that part of it was uh, was taken uh, by uh, uh, a piece uh, verbatim uh, by Chuck Ross uh, writing over at the Daily Caller. Now, I've got the Examiner piece up as well. Uh, but let's take a look at <clears throat> let's take a look at what Ron Paul had to say. Uh, he jumped into the fracas uh, two days ago uh, with Paul Joseph Watson over at Infowars, and I think that I think that that. Uh, I just love I love Ron Paul and, and I, I just wish the dear man was like 20 years younger, Joe, so that so that we could keep him around and keep him, you know, uh, uh, bare knuckles in the game for another good, good 20, 30 years. Uh, but uh, but this is from Infowars. It says uh, Ron Paul, secret government responsible for fanning Russia hysteria. Now, again, this is uh, Paul Joseph Watson writing over at Infowars. 
Former Congressman Ron Paul blamed the, quote, secret government, end quote, for fanning the flames of hysteria over President Trump's meeting with Vladimir Putin. Asked why the legacy media was so irate with Trump over his confab with the Russian president in Helsinki, Paul said that the hand of the shadow government was at work. Quote, it's hard to say, but we usually describe that there is a secret government that likes to control things, and most people know what we talk about when we talk about the, the, the deep state. And they do, excuse me, this is a, a little bit of a clunky quote here. Um, again, Ron Paul speaking. I'm going to start again because this is important. It's hard to say, but we usually describe that there is a secret government that likes to control things, and most people know what we talk about when we talk about the deep state, and they do have a lot of clout. They are very much involved in the media and the leadership of both parties. So both parties and the media are very, very annoyed with Trump, and then parenthetically, being so independent, in quote, Paul said. Uh, the former congressman also made the point that the deep state is paranoid about how much will be revealed about its own meddling in the affairs of foreign countries if Trump and Putin continue the dialogue, quote, I guess it would come out on how much we've been involved when we shouldn't be involved, for instance, in Ukraine and how that occurred, which Joe brings us full circle back to Manafort. I'll hand it back to you. Yeah, and this Manafort trial, I mean, this whole thing's a joke. It has to do with, uh, it has nothing to do with Russia collusion. Uh, none of that's ever been proven. Even the dossier has been unproven. Um, and, you know, we, we see people like Stroud testifying. Is Lisa Page going to be testifying again? Or what, what, where are we going with these, um, the IG report and the, where's the justice for the abuse of powers? Where's the justice for the, uh, uh, you know, obtaining warrants under false pretenses. Where's the justice for using the whole intelligence agencies, all their apparatuses, uh, to spy on and illegally against president candidate then President Trump at the same time simultaneously uh, uh, clearing Hillary Clinton, getting her clear of her felony charges. And uh, and so where is and let me jump in quickly. And and why is Barack Obama not on the hot seat here? I mean, uh, I, I read a quip again on Twitter early this morning. Barack Obama, uh, who, who is possibly one of the most pompous human beings on the planet, uh, actually went public yesterday saying, you know, I, 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 I've made so much money. There's only so many nice dinners you can buy. There's only so many trips you can take. There's only so many houses you can own. And I actually grabbed that and I quoted his tweet and I said, you know, uh, it reminds me of what Jesus uh, admonished us in the scriptures that we should not save our treasures here on earth where they can rust or be stolen by thieves. Uh, uh, but, 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 but Obama, seriously, we know, Joe, we know. You know it, I know it, 99% of our listeners know it. We know. The only person that maybe doesn't know it is Jeff Sessions. We can get into him in a minute if you like. Greg Jackson put out a great tweet on him this morning. But uh, 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 President Barack Obama, a sitting president, the 44th president of the United States, provided that he remains the 44th president. I wouldn't be surprised if 50 or 75 years from now we have a, an asterisk by his, his name. But, uh, but he knowingly uh, allowed this. He, it, it ha First of all, it happened on his watch. But second of all, Joe, it would not surprise me in the slightest if meetings went down, if there was a time where Obama and Comey and maybe McCabe were all in the same room 
and they cooked this scheme up and uh, and they got the uh, the tech people into Trump Tower and started dropping bugs. Yeah. Um, and John, uh, I don't know. I'm sick and tired of talking about this whole uh, President Trump investigation, Robert Mueller, the, the whole nine yards. But some uh, interesting headlines on the Liberty Daily today about John Brennan, who's been very vocal about uh, Donald Trump in the last few days. Obama commie John Brennan admits egging on FBI's probe of Trump and Russia. And also uh, there was a, a News Foundation facts checks confirms ex-CIA director Brennan voted communist and he was one of the uh, people who were most vocal about this Trump-Russia meeting but I want to switch gears here to more political outrage and then from there we're going to go to more political outrage just in in different forms we're going to go to the story about Maxine Waters Maxine Waters supporters burn American flag outside California's uh, representative office supporters of Maxine Waters burned and stomped an American flag uh, this is from Fox News. Hold on, I gotta reload this page. They, they, uh, Oath Keepers apparently was supposed to be at this uh, uh, protesting Maxine Waters at her district office, but supporters of Maxine Waters burned and stomped an American flag. They snatched off a pickup truck while chanting "Black Power" outside of her California office. The demonstrator showed up with the intent of countering a planned protest from a far right group. That group, Oath Keepers, said they would rally against the Congresswoman Thursday afternoon. But they did not arrive. But a few dozen pro-Waters counter-protesters, including union workers, church leaders. Uh, I, would tell, I would urge people to look at those pictures and see if you see any uh, church leaders in there. Or union workers. Yeah, the, these aren't. this isn't exactly oh the Martin gosh. Luther King Jr. crowd. <laughs> no. Anyway, they were chaining black power. Uh, so they had their fists up and had signs that the communists, the slogan, resist. Um, at some point during the protest, a vehicle with an American flag on the back approached and was stopped by the crowd. Some protesters opened the car doors while others grabbed the flag as the vehicle drove off. The flag was then stepped on and set ablaze as someone stoked the flames. And no one was injured. It remained unclear if the car that drove by Thursday was connected to the Oath Keepers. Waters issued a statement criticizing the Oath Keepers, saying, The Oath Keepers would like nothing more than to inflame racial tens- tensions and create an explosive conflict in our community. End quote. So. Well, I'll tell you <laughs> what. Um, I've and, been speaking with... I, go ahead, Joe. No, and just last thing. She... Uh, uh, she calls them an anti uh, Maxine Waters labels Oath Keepers anti-government militia. Well, let's take a look here at the good old Southern Poverty Law Center. Now, they've got a picture of Stuart Rhodes uh, in what looks like a 1980s era um, California CHP motorcycle helmet. Now Stewart had a uh, had a uh, an issue with his eye years ago, and he he on occasion wears a patch, uh, and and he has to, you know, it's it's not a, it's not a costume type thing. I mean, he's got a legitimate problem with one of his eyes, and uh, and so they've got him looking quite villainous uh, uh, in this picture. And, and if you know Stewart and Joe, you 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 know Stewart as well. He is one of the most mellow, uh, soft spoken. I, I would say he's given the uh, cast of characters that we run with. I would say Joe that Stuart Rhodes is probably one of the more mellow guys that we uh, that we you know interact with from time to time. You and I just uh, broke bread with him in Ohio what two months ago. Yeah. But but get this from the Southern Poverty Law Center, 
The Oath Keepers had planned to protest the California office of Rep- of Representative Maxine Waters, but then they had second thoughts when counter-protesters showed up. Plans for the Oath Keepers to stage an indefinite protest at California Representative Maxine Waters' congressional office in Los Angeles were scrapped at the last minute on Thursday to avoid confrontation with counter-protesters who had gathered by the dozens. Now, I'm going to stop there. That is probably the only time you're ever going to hear me read from SPLcenter.org. Um, but I will I will say this, just just from having a, a personal acquaintanceship, uh, uh, I'd really say even, even, a, even a professional friendship with Stuart Rhodes. The Oath Keepers, Joe, are not about confrontation. Right. That's not their mission statement. The Oath Keepers are about protecting the constitutional integrity of our representative republic. And the Oath Keepers' primary mission statement is to remind law enforcement, emergency services personnel, first responders, and active and veteran military of the oath they took to to protect the Constitution from enemies, both foreign and domestic. So what we're seeing here from the Southern Poverty Law Center, and I'll back this up, uh, back to the Google search. uh, It is on ABC News, the Los Angeles Times. It is uh, all over Twitter. It is uh, at the New York Daily News. It is all over Facebook. It's, It's everywhere that the Oath Keepers, quote unquote, punked out. Here's the deal. The Oath Keepers are not going. These are these are intelligent individuals. For those who don't know, Stuart Rhodes is a constitutional uh, was a constitutional law student at Yale. Uh, That was after he got done uh, with his time in the army as a um, as an airborne uh, as part of airborne recon. So the man knows the law and he and he also knows human nature very well. Uh, one of the things I like about Stuart the best is that he's just he's just such a laid back, mellow guy. Uh, he is uh, honestly, yeah, folks, is. and I'm, I'm I'm saying this for the benefit of our listeners who haven't had the, the opportunity or the honor to meet Stuart. Stuart is is he is he's he's mellow. He's a non confrontational, non violent, very uh, very uh, non uh, incendiary type personality and interestingly one of the people that he reminds me of on a regular basis is another one of our good friends craig sawman sawyer former marine retired u.s navy seal same disposition same demeanor you know why because guys who have been in real deal fights and i'm not talking about some little hoot nanny out in front of maxine waters little ghetto trash office i'm talking about real fights in iraq fallujah somali pirates that kind of stuff guys who have been in real fights they understand the, the, the mission and, and the importance of the mission a, 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 as a whole, Joe. And the mission as a whole, uh, as far as the Oath Keepers go, uh, I would encourage people to go on their website. I'm on it right now, oathkeepers.org. Take a look at their mission statement. It is, a, it is simply to remind uh, the people who are there in the thick of it first, whether you're a, a, a paramedic, an EMT, a firefighter, a cop, a state trooper, whatever, it's to remind these individuals of the oath that they've already taken when they accepted the badge and uniform. So bottom line is this. If you're looking for a fight, if you want to pick a fight, if you if you want to see if what you want more than anything else is to see uh, underprivileged, 
in many cases, uh, uh, multi-generational, poverty-stricken African-Americans trading punches with Oath Keepers in front of Maxine Waters' office, guess what? You're going to be waiting a long, long time because, A, that's not what the Oath Keepers are all about. B, that's not how Stuart Rhodes operates. And C, having met dozens of Oath Keepers in my life, they are not violent people. No, not at all. And uh, it, it, it's just absurd. To, she's the one that's inflaming the racial tensions. And uh, let's move on from Maxine Waters to another outrageous incident that happened yesterday. Uh, Judge Janine went on The View and was talking with the wonderful women over there who uh, <laughs> uh, tri- Judge Janine triggered Whoopi Goldberg. You have Trump derangement syndrome gets spit on. Uh, the View host proves she didn't have Trump derangement syndrome by acting hysterical, spitting, and uh, cursing at the uh, guest. Let's take a listen to some of this exchange. Berg rudely ended a segment with her own Judge Jeanine Pirro, threw her off the set. Take a look. There have been a lot of people in office that I didn't agree with, but I have never, ever seen anything like this. I've never seen anybody whip up such hate. I've never seen anybody be so dismissive. How long has the deep state been there and who's running it? Well, the, the, I want to answer your question because you gave you had to ask you a question. But you had I, your I, opening statement, which was how horrible it is that Donald Trump no, is talking no, no, about all what you, of these I'm people. Sorry, you know what that's I what you said. You said, Whoopi, you know you what's said horrible? that when it, it was who okay. be here end it's, up murdering the children of American citizens. You know what's horrible? What's when, horrible when the president of the United States whips up people to beat the hell out of people. Say goodbye. So that was right, the, uh, the author exchange of the- on the view. Obviously, you really couldn't hear uh, uh, as they were just talking over each other. But after that, at that point, after the video ends, uh, Whoopi Goldberg gets up and goes basically over to her in her face as she's leaving, and you know, is, get the f out, get the f out, and spit on her. Apparently, so this is the uh, and that's Whoopi Goldberg arguing that she doesn't have Trump derangement syndrome. Uh, just absolutely unbelievable to see the, the the view has you know the view is a terrible show i don't know anybody who would watch the view and find it entertaining in the least bit and if you do you should probably pray because this is i mean from joy bear and her attacks on christians just recently talking about uh you know Mike Pence and his faith and anybody who believes in Jesus has a mental illness and on and on and on and on. Um, And there's a petition now to get ABC or uh, to get Whoopi Goldberg fired from ABC. So here's a uh, here's just a few uh, quotes from Whoopi Goldberg, who I find to be just uh, basically a despicable human being. Um, She's referring to uh, uh, Candace Cameron Burr. Uh, after demanding that her co-host listen to her opinion on the lack of black nominees for this year's Oscars. Uh, Burr is vocal about her religious views. Whoopi went on to say, well, you know what? I talk about God. You got to talk about these damn movies, meaning that Whoopi would prefer not to talk about God. But if she's going to have to, then 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 Candace Burr's got to talk about uh, the 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 perceived lack of black nominees in film, and that that gets into a whole other topic about. I well, mean, should should somebody be in a film because they're a great actor or because of their skin color? Right. Well, uh, here's, just to pick here's, this up, John, uh, just to get, bring an update because uh, the View has already played today. It says a whole day after Whoopi was belligerent to Judge Janine Pirro saying "f you" to her, 
Uh, she's lying her bleep off, saying that Judge Pirro called the view blank suckers in front of the audience, uh, which is uh, apparently not true. If that were to be true, it would have been all over the news last night. Audience members would have been tweeting about it. Uh, they would have been talking about it yesterday. Whoopi would have said that yesterday. But now oh, she's claiming. So so could Judge Janine sue her for slander and defamation? Because I'm sure all this is on tape somewhere. And if that's you know, not true. I've got a I've got a line on Judge Janine Pirro, um, which I did not have like about a week ago. So so I give the credit and the glory to the Lord for that. Uh, I've got a publicist I can call Joe and I'll do so. I'm sure Pirro's in really heavy demand right now. But as I mentioned to you and your father in studio uh, earlier this week, I do have a uh, a line on Judge Jean Pirro, and I'll see. I'll do my very best to see if we can get uh, some personal response from her. Now that might be it. It might take a week. Uh, it might even take ten days, but uh, I will do my best with that. Now, before we move on from this, just to be clear about who Whoopi Goldberg is, I want to. I want to. I want to bust out uh, uh, two more uh, quotes for you, um, Goldberg. Okay, so here. So get this quote. Now, this is about Roman Polanski. And for those who don't, a quick recap on Roman Polanski. Roman Polanski is a, is a fugitive from justice in the United States of America. He raped and sodomized, well, he drugged, and then he raped and sodomized a 13-year-old girl in a hot tub back in the, uh, back in the mid-1970s. I think it happened in Malibu, but it might have happened in Laurel Canyon. It happened, it happened up in the hills in Hollywood somewhere. Um, and he has been a fugitive from justice living in France as 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 minor French royalty and certainly cinematic genius royalty, everybody in the movie business loves Polanski, who made movies like uh, Rosemary's Baby, for example. But we can talk about that another time. This is what Whoopi Goldberg said about Roman Polanski sodomizing a 13 year old girl. Uh, listeners, what if this was your daughter? This is Whoopi Goldberg quote. I know it wasn't rape rape. It was something else, but I don't believe it was rape, rape. What yeah. does that even mean? The bottom yep. line is Polanski can, has not been able to come back into this country for almost 50 years because he sodomized a 13-year-old girl who, by the way, she's still around. She uh, 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 does not speak publicly often, but has suffered incredible. Uh, you talk about PTSD events that are going to mess you up for the rest of your life. Uh, try, you know, try, uh, trying being a 13 year old little girl, figuring out uh, how she just got sodomized in a hot tub by one of Hollywood's most famous celebrities at the time. Incidentally, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that Roman Polanski was also married to Sharon Tate, who was one of the victims of the Manson massacres. Uh, the other quote I want to share from Whoopi Goldberg. Now this one is just genius. You got to Whoopi Goldberg, uh, I, I, I mean, I want to hang a picture of her on, on my wall so I can throw things at it. Quote, there have been a lot of horrifying. There have been a lot of monster Christians. Hitler was a Christian, end quote. So that's all you need to know about Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, she uh, is. <laughs> I, Hitler was. Gonna... A, did you know Hitler was a Christian, Joe? He, oh, wow. He was? Well, I, I what says it right here. I, 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 I did not realize that he was uh, in heaven supplicating uh, uh, with the Lord God Almighty right right now as we speak. Wow, that's just uh, that's just fascinating. Um, I want to talk about this. This is important, John. I don't know how many people saw this uh, uh, duck boat horror in Missouri, 17 dead. 
there is a video of this boat, and I believe it's capsized or something. It did capsize. Um, 17 dead and 7 injured after duck boat carrying 31, including at least 3 children, capsizes on stormy Missouri Lake as final video shows its battle to stay afloat. Um, now, I've never, I don't know what a duck boat is, John, but um, it seems like part of it is supposed to be submerged to some degree. Uh, I think a duck boat is is a boat that's kind of that doesn't really have a keel. It's like a flat bottom boat, yeah. so that you can go through marshlands and hunt ducks from it. Okay. I, I, I think it's basically a flat bottom boat. But go ahead. Joe. Well, that makes sense, I guess, as to why it, it capsized. Uh, um, but the uh, I don't think they have the whole actual video of it going under. Um, but either way, what it's a tragedy, and there was a lot of tornadoes and storms uh, yesterday in the uh in iowa and in other places that uh throughout the midwest that uh left a lot of damage and and destroyed some neighborhoods and there's some great footage of those tornadoes uh if you want to check those out but some crazy weather events happening uh, in the last few days but this is certainly a tragedy this is a summer tourist destination at the, in the ozarks and um that's uh it's unfortunate but uh you know things like these like this happens but apparently a storm just whipped up real quick or, uh, you know, because usually they're really good about knowing when to uh, put the boat in the water and, and not. And just as an example, a few years ago, my wife and I went on our uh, uh, dinner boat here because we have a lake and, and whatnot here. And we started to go out and it started to thunderstorm. And it was a big boat. It could have easily, you know, no problems. But they came back in and, and docked it. Um, so, you know, usually these people, uh, understand when the dan- when there's danger coming, they're pretty good at monitoring that and, uh, uh, getting out of this, but it says a, a warning was issued by local agencies at 6 30 PM, 30 minutes before, before the boat got in trouble. So it says tour departments departs every 30 minutes and cost $26 per ticket. Um, so I don't know why there, there's no reason that this boat should have been out there, especially if the uh, warning was issued, uh, 30 minutes before the boat got in trouble unless well, it had already departed, but wish it could have came back. You know, Joe, I, I'm, I go out on boats. Uh, well, the, the year I've been here in Pennsylvania, I haven't yet. Although, uh, you invited me on a fishing trip last summer that I was unable to make last minute. Uh, so of course we've got Lake Erie and, and we will do some boating, I imagine here sooner than later, but I go out on boats, uh, a, a couple of times a year. I was into deep sea fishing in LA uh, we would go fish uh, off the Santa Cruz Islands where Catalina is. Uh, you know, we're uh, yeah, 15 miles offshore maybe, but I mean, we're fully out in blue water ocean. And then I've also always enjoyed whale watching. So I've been out several times uh, in uh, California in Monterey Bay, as well as up in the Puget Sound in Washington uh, to check out the whales. And every time I go on a boat, uh, I do the same thing I do when I go on a plane. And this might sound a little bit... Uh, over the top to some people, but I would really suggest that you consider this. Uh, there's a book by Dr. Lawrence Gonzalez called Deep Survival, Who Lives, Who Dies, and Why? And the I was amazed to read this, but uh, the, uh, the following two points are from this book. Number one, 93% of the people who uh, are involved in plane crashes live through the actual crash they die because they are unable to exit the plane. They typically die from smoke inhalation or from immolation because they cannot get out of the plane. 
Now, I'll ask all of our listeners respectfully, when was the last time you turned off your earbuds or actually reviewed when you get on a plane where those emergency exits are? How do the handles work? Where are the life rafts located? I mean, can anybody listening to this show tell me on a 727, 737, on a DC-10, uh, on an Airbus 300, where are the life rafts? Where are they located? Well, I'll tell you where they're at. They're fore and aft up in the ceiling. And that's the kind of stuff that if you're going to be on a plane, for example, you should know because it greatly increases your chance of survival. When I fly, I always uh, I keep my shoes on. I make sure I carry a powerful flashlight in my pocket. Why? Because, again, when planes crash, it's dark, it's smoky, and it's hard to get out of them. And that's where people perish. Now, when you look at boats, Joe, when I go boating, the first thing I do when I get on a boat is I take a I take a walk around. I determine where the life preservers are. I determine where the um, where the uh, life rings, the, the the man overboard lines are, and I determine where the life rafts themselves are stowed. Uh, I'll even take a moment to examine the date on the life rafts and make sure that they're not way past their expiration date. Especially if I'm going to be you know 20 30 miles out from shore in blue water. Last time I went whale watching. I brought a backpack with me that was basically my bug out bag um, uh, with a few extra bottles of water in it. So this might sound like, I don't know, paranoia or over preparation, but I got news for you listeners. Uh, If the boat goes down or the plane goes down, I'm giving myself every opportunity to uh, to exit. And that book one more time, it was such a great book is called Deep Survival, Who Lives and Who Dies by Dr. Lawrence Gonzalez. He also wrote a follow up to that. But Joe, I'm going to switch gears on you here and hand it back to you. Uh, nearly 100 bodies found at a Texas construction site. Uh, this Ooh, story has, okay, this story's got a lot of components to it. Uh, CNN.com, it, but it, this is all over the internet. Um, so there, there were nearly 100 bodies found at a Texas construction site. It says they were probably black people forced into labor after slavery ended. And I thought, you know how much I love history. I thought this was really interesting. Uh, It says here, now this is again from CNN.com. I want to give a shout out to uh, my main man, Stelter. I know wherever he's at right now, he's dealing with the tough issues. Uh, But uh, it says here, months after a Texas school district broke ground on a new technical center, archaeologists there made a surprising discovery. The long buried remains of 95 people. Uh, The first remains were discovered in February in Sugarland, a suburb southwest of Houston. And now officials have learned who these people probably were. Freed black people forced to work in convict labor camps. Now, now bear with me, listeners, because I'm, I'm really going somewhere here. For over a century, these graves were underground and untouched. But the finding that they likely held the remains of slaves, which researchers announced Monday, highlights an era that's largely forgotten in history. A time when slavery was illegal. But many blacks were essentially still enslaved. Now, now they're saying that these people most likely died in the late 1870s or the early 1880s. So that's a full 20 years after the conclusion of the Civil War and Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation that uh, that freed us from the the wicked scourge of slavery. But that got me thinking, Joe, about something I've wanted to talk about on this show for a while, and we don't have to unpack this big time today because I want I want to uh, give you an opportunity to do some show prep on this as well. But it's what's called the prison industrial complex, the PIC. Okay, and and I tweeted out today this 
this discovery in Texas is relevant today because we're still doing the exact same thing today. And it's, it's called the PIC, the Prison Industrial Complex. Now, this is from a website that I'm not familiar with. I, I'm tending to think this is a left-leaning website, but it's criticalresistance.org. And I'll just give people a quick piece of this, and it'll give our listeners something to chew on over the weekend. The Prison Industrial Complex, or PIC, is a term we use to describe the overlapping interests of government and industry that use surveillance, policing, and imprisonment as solutions to economic, social, and political problems. Folks, that's the exact same thing that these bodies they found in Texas. That's these victims were, what were they doing? They were uh, incarcerated using uh, industries of surveillance, policing, imprisonment as solutions to economic, social, and political problems. So here we are over 100 years later, 130 years later, and we still have a prison industrial complex in place today. This article goes on to say, and then I'll, I'll hand it back to you, Joe. It says, through its reach and impact, the prison industrial complex helps and maintains the authority of people who get their power through racial, economic, and other privileges. There are many ways this power is collected and maintained through the prison industrial complex, including creating mass media images that keep alive stereotypes of people of color, poor people, queer people, immigrants, youth, and other oppressed communities as criminal, delinquent, or deviant. This power is also maintained. Now, this is key. This is, this is why I'm reading this to all of you today. This power is also maintained by earning huge profits for private companies that deal with prisons and police forces, helping earn political gains, quote, tough on crime politicians, increasing the influence of prison guard and police unions and eliminating social and political dissent by oppressed communities that make demands for self-determination and reorganization of power in the United States. The bottom line, Joe, is this. Uh, as recently as World War II, uh, the prisoners out on Alcatraz uh, made submarine nets. So they contributed to the war effort by welding these enormous cable nets together that they would string across places like the Golden Gate to keep Nazi and Japanese subs out of our home waters. So, so there's always been an industrial component to, to being incarcerated. And in fact, most prisoners, uh, particularly on Alcatraz, they wanted to have a job because it got them out of their cells for eight hours a day. And it also, over many, many years, it, it gives you a few bucks to get your life started again once you're, once you're freed. But that's a long time ago compared to what we're dealing with today. Today, if people will do a search on prison industrial complex and the PIC, they will discover that there are corporations that are in your home. I'm talking corporations like Nabisco, Kraft, Johnson & Johnson, Bayer, that are making incredible amounts of money, Joe, on the fact that people are in prison. And in fact, in many cases, private companies own the prisons themselves. Now, we talked about this once before, but here's the problem. If a corporation is designed to do two things, it's designed to serve the bottom line, it's actually legally, when you incorporate, you are legally required to serve the bottom line and to pay dividends to your stockholders if you're a publicly traded company. That's what corporations do. The problem is every corporation deals in a commodity. Your commodity might be band-aids, your commodity might be crude oil. 
But the commodity that the prison industrial complex deals in is the liberty of men and women. And I have a major, major problem with the privatization and the profiteering of a man or a woman's liberty, Joe. Well, yeah, we know the prison industrial complex. We've talked about this at length, the private pr- prison industries, the quotas, the uh, the the uh, what Bill Clinton did with the three strikes um, and your outlaws. It, it's all it's all a big uh, just like everything. It's just a big Ponzi scheme. It's just a big system to and unfortunately it ruins many lives. And, and it's uh, very sad. Uh, kind of switching gears here, John, as I see. Let me check the time. I don't think we have that much time left. No. Only uh, about fifteen minutes. No, we really don't. Why don't Why don't you take uh, take take the majority of it? I I just got a real nice long piece of mic time with the whole PIC thing, and I'm interested in what's on your mind, buddy. Well, I wanted to mention this um, this care uh, the uh, Council on American Islamic Relations to judge conceal Hamas and Muslim Brotherhood ties. This uh, the Council on American Islamic Relations has requested a judge not to allow an author and investigator to bring up the fact that it has ties to the Islamic terrorist group Hamas and the Muslim Brotherhood. However, the favor of concealing such key information pertaining to CARE's parent groups is not likely to be granted. According to a response filed in federal court in Washington this week, that evidence is uh, relevant to the defense of former Air Force Special Agent David Gabatz and his son Chris Gabatz, whose undercover investigation collected internal care documents and recorded conversations that were published in Muslim Mafia inside the secret underground world that's conspiring to Islamize America. CARE, which has been exposed as a terrorist front organization under the guise of a so-called civil rights group uh, championing tolerance and fighting Islamophobia, has been caught red-handed trying to destroy evidence pointing to its origins and deeply rooted in a globally recognized Islamic terror group. Serving as a CARE intern, Chris Gabatz gathered some 12,000 pages, uh, documents that were headed for a shredder at CARE's national office in Washington, just three blocks from the Capitol building. The information published in Muslim Mafia, co-authored by David Gabatz, documented CARE's founding by members of the Muslim Brotherhood, the group that spawned Al-Qaeda and Hamas, and stated in writings its intent to undermine Western civilization and ultimately bring America under Islamic law. In order to avoid the reputation of having connections to Islamic terrorists, CARE has resorted to much legal repositioning over the past decade. CARE filed suit in 2009, claiming, among other things, breach of uh, duty, breach of contract, trespass violation of Electronic Communication Privacy Act, all this against uh, and defamation um, against uh, Gubatz. But in response, CARE's attempt to squelch any discussion of its radical ties in the court, the Gabatz legal team argues the defense is partly based on whether or not CARE is a criminal entity upon which no intern would form a uh, fiduciary relationship of trust. More pointed out, CARE contends Gubatz's collection of documents and recordings of conversations amounts to a breach of his duty to the organization, but in the brief, attorney Horowitz argues CARE's claim is based on the assumption that it actually is the human rights organization it purports to be. Now, if you're following along, still, the evidence that uh, of the hidden agenda that CARE, uh, that Gubatz had exposed about CARE, 
Um, and this is really interesting because we have talked to Gabatsi. He's been on our show uh, several, a few times. And it is uh, very interesting to note his book, uh, Muslim Mafia, is uh, being censored all over the place. And which which we have copies of in the studio. But go ahead. Joe. Yeah. But it shows, as we said, uh, that this group not only has ties uh, and gets funding directly from terrorist organizations, but in its literature, in this office, three blocks from the Capitol building is where Gubatz obtained the documents, which stated this organization wanted to bring America to its knees and put it under Islamic law. So I don't care what or how that information was obtained. Uh, the judge, I imagine, would not let that be concealed. I, I can't see a reason why he would, but there is an ongoing legal battle. So just wanted to make people aware of that. And I'm looking to see when the, if they have a date on the ruling. Uh, I don't see one in this article, but there is a lot more here, and you can find that on onenewsnow.com, or I posted it up on Hagman Report. Uh, just go right to there, and Hagman Report, and in there, there's a link to the whole article. It's very detailed, and it exposes and shows care uh, for the terrorist organization that they are. Absolutely, and just to give uh, credit where credit's due, uh, Chris Gavatz, uh has been on the Hagman Report a number of times. I just pulled up our YouTube uh, page. Uh, he joined us uh, a year ago. Uh, the title of that show was Muslim Mafia, uh, Alicia Pau, Peter Berichalka, and Chris Gavatz. Um, he was also on uh, fairly recently, back on uh, May 16th of this year, title of that show, Jerusalem to Riyadh, Tel Aviv to Tehran, the Islamic Flashpoint. That's the show that people should go back and review if you really want to uh, not only get a, a perspective on. See, the thing is, Chris Chris Gabatz and, and and David Gabatz are are maligned and criminalized in the mainstream media. Uh, they hate these men because Chris had the the guts. Frankly, he had the balls to infiltrate Care and to pull a bunch of their internal documents out that indicate what we have known uh, at the Hagman Report and many of our listeners have known. For years and years, going back almost, you could say decades, back to 9-11, which is that CARE is a group of, 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 of radical fundamentalist Muslims who dress themselves up in nice suits and slap on a little aftershave, and they go on Fox, and they go on CNN, and they talk about unity, and they talk about brotherhood, and they talk about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which I find a little bit odd considering that is not the God that, that, that Muslims serve, but I digress. Uh, Chris uh, uh, really takes a beating in the media because he is one of the, the rare individuals. You know who he reminds me of, Joe, is um, the, uh, the FBI agent that uh, was on the Hagman Report a couple of times uh, prior to my tenure. Uh, the one who passed away that infiltrated the weather underground. Um, Larry Grathwald. Yes. Uh, Chris Gavatz has, is, uh, he's cut from the same kind of cloth as Larry Grathwald. Uh, he, he infiltrated care and he brought out the goods. And of course the, uh, the, what I would call Islamic apologist mainstream media that believes if we just love these people enough, they'll stop uh, blowing up our children or running them over with cars or attacking them in the streets with butcher knives, uh, they, uh, they they can't stand the fact that this man went into the devil's lair and he came out with the goods. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's funny. Um, 
as we uh, close up the the day here, I want to make sure we don't forget simplycleanfoods.net is our sponsor. And there you can get a discount using promo code simplyclean. If you want to hear Chance, he came on yesterday to talk about forgiveness. Uh, go back and listen to that. If you did not have a chance to listen to it, there was a, a great uh, little segment. But uh, simplycleanfoods.net, promo code simplyclean. Now, what do we have coming up um, on uh, the horizon what are we going to see uh you know we, we're in the the what the dog days of summer mid-july and we have uh, a lot of people are are you know taking vacations i mean thing at least up here where we live john in the uh in the northeast when the summer comes it's like a the tale of two worlds you have the the summer months and then you have the the winter months and in the summer months, you can go outside, you can go do all kinds <laughs> Pretty of much. stuff, anything you want to do. But in the winter months, you're, you're kind of uh, uh, regulated to a few activities, much more indoor than anything else. And uh, so, so people are out and about, and uh, uh, I, I'm going to spend the rest of my day doing some outdoor stuff. But uh, uh, hopefully you and me can get, get on the golf course this weekend. I went golfing with Eric last weekend, or last week, and uh, we had a good time, but... Uh, as far as uh, what we're looking forward to, we got the True Legends Conference coming up. We got the DC thing coming up. September is going to be here before we know it, and that's why big I, month. I said yep, we're big. in the middle of July, but it's September is going to be here <laughs> just before you know tomorrow. it. Uh, Joe, real quick, I'll make this my final comment for the show today. We are looking at a phenomenal week next week on the Hagman Report. Uh, join us, listeners, uh, seven o'clock p.m. Eastern through ten o'clock Monday through Friday tonight. Of course, Dr. Ted Brower, Austin Brower from the Ted and Austin Brower Show. Health Masters. Uh, on Monday the 23rd, we're gonna we're gonna hear from Dr. Dave Janda. Uh, we've got Kevin Ship coming up next week. We've got Jonathan Kahn checking in. Yeah, that'll be uh, good. We've got uh, Steve Quayle, uh, who I believe has Harry Cooper joining him. Uh, Joe, you and I will co-host the show uh, a week from tonight on the 27th, and we're gonna uh, sit down and we're gonna discuss uh, demonology and spiritual warfare uh, with Sheila Zelinsky, and then. We're going to get into a really good discussion with our new friend Chad Schaefer about uh, yeah, the uh, about about Egypt and and just, how do we even describe this uh, uh, about about one of the most underreported uh, secret um, efforts to to uh, put the Jews back into the captivity they experienced in Egypt in the Old Testament and it's still happening to this very day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to bring up also the uh, uh, mid-July, we we're in, in the NFL training camp season. And I know a lot of people, NFL here in America, the NFL is, uh, you know, uh, the sport. Uh, and um, the NFL has made a decision about their kneeling policy during the national anthem. They came out with a solution earlier this spring saying uh, anybody who kneels during the national anthem will receive a $20,000 fine. And if you don't want to participate in the national anthem, you can stay in the locker room until it's over uh, to avoid a fine. Well, the NFL is now uh, uh, going back and, uh, and committing, you know, suicide, corporate suicide. And now the NFL has said the NFL Players Association and the NFL released a joint statement last night vowing to put on hold the new league rule requiring players on the field to stand for the playing of the national anthem. Miami Dolphins instituted a new team policy where players that knelt during the anthem could be suspended for up to four games. The freeze more than likely removes the ability for them or any other team to take disciplinary actions against offending players. 
And it looks like next season is going to be another clown show. And I would not be surprised if ratings, uh, you know, declined further. You know, this is uh, so stupid. I don't understand any other. It's not about having the right to protest or, or the First Amendment right. When you are being paid millions of dollars to perform a job and you are at that job, why is it? Why should you be allowed on corporate time under corporate representation uh, to protest your own personal beliefs? It, it doesn't make sense to me. The, the NFL should be very strict on this. Um, I, I know that, you know, if the players wear the wrong color, uh, uh, what is it called? Sh- sh- uh, the strings in your shoes, shoestrings. If they wear the wrong color shoestrings, they can get fined. So why is this any different? Well, because it's a political correctness issue. But these people, like everything else, I say this all the time, like the holidays, uh, uh, Christmas or Mother's Day or Father's Day, like the NFL, they ruin everything. These social justice, political correct brown shirts, yes, the brown shirts, just like the 1930 Nazis, the thought police, the speech police, the true fascists, they want to ruin everything, and they're not going to be happy until everybody is is bows down to their ideology and mindset. And uh, you know, they're, it's just insanity. And uh, yeah. the NFL, well, you're going to lose more viewers. I know. Uh, last year, I watched uh, less NFL than I than I have, and I've really cut back since we started the show. I'm talking maybe one week a game, uh, one game a week if I was lucky, but anymore, uh, I don't know. It's uh, Joe- I, I don't even want to watch. I want to end on a hopeful note. Uh, I would encourage people to please go to my Twitter feed at Robertson John. And this is why uh, there is a tweet that I put out this morning. I retweeted it and it brought tears to my eyes. You folks have got to see this. It'll brighten up your day today. Joe, uh, again, at Robertson John on Twitter. This is not meant to be self-promotion, but what it is, is it's uh, it's a little video of a Georgia police officer laying hands on a little nine-year-old boy who's about to go in to have surgery to remove some very serious cancer. And Joe, this cop is in uniform. There's a couple of police cruisers behind him that have got their lights on. And I mean, he is praying in the Holy Spirit. He's got tears coming out of his eyes. I'm talking about, this is, you want to see a cop. You talk about uh, Blue Lives Matter and Back the Blue. Man, you want to see a cop who's really stepping it up and getting the job done. Just hit my Twitter feed. Please retweet that tweet. I want as many uh, Americans to see it as possible because it's so hopeful. And by the way, that story also indicated that that cop showed up once the little boy's operation had been concluded and brought like eight or nine of his fellow police officers with him all in uniform. So big shout out to the, to the police down there in Georgia doing a fantastic job. Yeah. And, uh, I guess closing thoughts, just want to thank everybody for, uh, listening and taking their time out of the day to listen to this show and to Hagman Report. And we will uh, continue to bring you the uh, news and uh, our own personal opinions. And we also have in the works uh, a plan to talk about America's role in Bible prophecy for the next two Fridays. Hopefully we can get our guests lined up, but we're going to be digging into that topic and Rome's involvement, the Vatican, and uh, a whole bunch of what we talked about earlier this week. So uh, we'll be setting that up for the following two Fridays. Have a great weekend, everybody.
The Hagman Daily Show is brought to you by The Hagman Report. Tune in to The Hagman Report weekdays, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. For more information, go to hagmanreport.com. That's hagmanreport.com.